Not every thought needs to be said, Andy. Yeah. Hey, Rory, <laughs> why don't you suck my fucking balls? How's that thought? Is that a good thought for you? That, that thought needed to be said because now I need, now I need some <laughs> just balls. Chew now I need some balls. Just chew them. Just pop them in. Chew them? <laughs> chew my balls. <laughs> you can chew my balls. <laughs> chew me like a gumball. Hey, Teach, you can chew my balls. <laughs> you chew them. You chew them, Teach. <laughs> chew my balls. Algebra. <laughs> it's good we don't say that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It would be improper. Uh, I don't want to clean my room, Mom. You can just chew them. I don't really. Never. No, Mom, you don't. don't mother? Don't your do that, mother? Mother, I've got three words for you. Chew my balls. <laughs> Pop them in your mouth like a couple of beignets. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Benoit. Benoit balls? Yeah, these are new. These are these are from your local bakery, your patisserie. <laughs> you go to you go down to the baker and his little funny hat and his funny little mustache. You say baker. <laughs> Bigger, I've got three words for you today. Let me tell you about my family. I sell propane and propane accessories. Well, hey there. How's it going? We're we're here. We're here live from top of our uh, our Scrooge McDuckian pile of money because uh, that's right. It's that podcast by the one percent and for the one percent. It's Saturday morning Tuesdays. I am Andy. I'm Austin. And I'm Rory. And we are collectively the three of us so filthy rich it's disgusting. So oh, you three, know. Ba- three. I'm gonna rattle my bag of money. I, I brought this sack <laughs> with a with a dollar sign on it to our <laughs> to our recording tonight, and it is jingling. Let me tell you, it is a jingling. Oh, the smell of money is so good and fresh in my nose. I'm being held aloft right now by my new hired manservant. His name is Pensival. Uh, <laughs> Pensival doesn't talk, but he is very good at carrying. Uh, so I don't have to walk ever again. Um, again, being held aloft by my uh, human chair, Pensival. <laughs> how much? How much does he get paid? He doesn't get paid. Ah, nice. That's the good thing about being rich is that you spend less you stop, money. Yeah, you just stop paying for shit, and people just do stuff for you on the assumption that they might get they might get to nip at the at the at the quarters jingling in your pocket. Right. All I have to do is jangle a little pouch of of coin right before his nose, and he he leaps and does my chairs. God, poor people are so funny. They're so dumb. funny. Just the smell of money. It's like Pepe Le Pew and 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 the, the the perfume, right? Like they just they float up and they follow you. Like they're 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 so cute. They're just so cute. Those I can't even think of the time when we were but commoners. We've been we've been rich for for what feels like a dog's age. <laughs> how'd you get how'd you get rich, Rory? I sold everything I own and I bought a and I bought a uh, I bought a money print. Oh, so you're rich off probably legal if you're rich <laughs> but but that's the beauty about re- being rich is that illegal doesn't mean a goddamn thing yeah, the laws don't apply to you it's they so much apply. easier the laws are written for the poors well i mean i'm just i'm rich off of our podcast because it makes so much money 
Um, I think we might have to address something for this show to really work, for this theme to really play. Oh, okay. I would like anybody who's poor to please stop listening now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so right. We can't do this. We can't have you listening to learning our secrets or or just being around us. I mean, we have to charge for that. We're, yeah, this we're is not important. This, those really good ideas. We're not, you this, keep I don't having. want you to take this as us giving back to the community. This is for us yeah. and our nine rich friends. <laughs> yeah, this is for people like us. It's for people who have those really smart decisions that only rich people have. You know how I got rich? I just got a new alarm clock. Better alarm clock. Woke up really early, got right on time, got lots of money. Went to work, I worked hard, and I got money. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly how the system works. The system is perfect. I went to work and I got money. Wow. Man, why doesn't everyone works. do that? Why doesn't why does everybody keep saying we live in a broken society? <laughs> they just live in a broken alarm clock. Yeah, they need to just get a new alarm clock and work harder. Do you, do you think poor people live inside a broken alarm clock? <laughs> mine you know certainly is mine said? certainly was run by poor people. <laughs> Somebody's got to move all those hands. Most of my appliances are powered by the poor people's. <laughs> Do you hire people to push the, 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 the hour hand and the minute hand for you, Austin? No, they are the hour hand. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Like there's a different way to tell the time. <laughs> so as very, very, very rich people, we get to watch whatever cartoons we want. And uh, we've we've you know, we have the glut of choice. We can get cartoons from the future if we want, but we don't because right now we've gone to the past. We've gone to the 80s and the 90s to find now. Now, hold your chalice aloft and swear, (laughs) swear the Illuminati code, swear, swear to the globalist elite that you 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 say our oath. We say our oath. Yeah, that oath, that oath again is three words. Austin, say our oath. <laughs> yeah, three no, words I'm... long is that oath that we say. Speak the speak the Richmond's creed. Keep buying money. <laughs> Keep buying money. I just put my money, make my money be more money. That's the Richmond's way. It's so funny. I, th- I, I I really thought it was chew my balls. You. <laughs> <laughs> not, I don't know if that's gonna work unless we unless we have. Oh, we got very, it. It's, it's gonna beginning. be a twenty minute introduction. <laughs> It's in the beginning. No, shut up. It's fine. Hey, w- hey, what shows are we watching today? Well, we're starting it off with Sky Surfer Strike Force episode 18, Attack of the Slither Monsters, part one. That's right. We're doing a two-parter. Two-parter. And then we are moving it right on towards Robotech episode four, The Long Wait. Those are our shows. Let's go do them. Let's do them. And pours, get out of here. Let's rich right in. <laughs> Well, that's just me flying my human-powered helicopter. That's me and my human-powered helicopter. It's made entirely of people who have jangled a coin pouch in front, and they have become a helicopter. They're taking me down. It's just a helicopter with with a bag of money in front of it, made of people. Yeah, they're making it work. The sheer force of wanting to get that money. Uh, Are all of them making that jub 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 sound together with their mouths? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 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 uh, we're landing 
we're landing on my poolside helipad, and uh, we're we're gonna go hang out. And the three of us, three of us rich folk, are gonna talk about Sky Surfer Strike Force. I'm sitting in a I'm, stack of Ferraris. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm just up here on my tower of cars, just a throne. <laughs> so we are watching Sky Surfer Strike Force episode 18. This is a uh, end of season two, uh, almost the end of season two, penultimate episode of season two. Attack the Slither Monsters Part One, and here is the blurb. An office building was randomly swallowed underground. The strike force verifies that it was not an ordinary earthquake. Instead, mutant subterranean worms from an ancient civilization have raided the surface in an attempt to conquer it. Before Cybron can forge an alliance with these ungodly creatures, the strike force must get to the worms first. I gotta say, right off the bat, I'm actually kind of disappointed because based on just reading that blurb but when we decided to watch this and the title, Attack of the Slither Monsters... I really wanted the bad guys to be the worms. Yeah. Like instead the worms are like they're like mounts. They they're they're trained tamed worms and there's just these humanoid underground people that are the enemy, which I feel like is a more boring option than like sentient evil giant worms. Well, that's true, but you know what, Andy? Um we haven't seen ep- ep- uh, we haven't seen part 2 yet. And we don't know. Maybe maybe the worms become the true monsters. These mm. people who are just obsessed with they have this entire society built on worms and it's <laughs> kind of there for it. <laughs> like they talk about getting trapped underground and just eating worms for, for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, they were cavemen who fell underground and learned English independently <laughs> and learned science. Uh, and yeah. they have and like stars wo- on their mostly nipples. Mostly just worm science. Right. But here's the funny thing. They all, today, they still wear loincloths. Yeah. And yet, in one shot, we see they're wearing full lab coats. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they explain perfectly that their society is half our our ways and half the way of the cave. God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, literally, they say... We called it Netheron. It is part the ways of the cave, part modern world. Which I feel like <laughs> accidentally made its way into the script from like just the episode pitch and no one noticed. Right. Right. Because like, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Like, well, are you guys not familiar with the cave ways? <laughs> the ways of the cave? <laughs> oh, yeah. Rory tells the ways of the cave. Ooh, rule number one is always snack your worms. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just feel like that's such a weird way to describe your own civilization. It's like it's like they're well, trying it's to... half modern, half the way of the cave, Andy. I feel like they couldn't <laughs> be more expressly no, it, stated. It, it's like they're pitching a show. It's like, okay, we live in a really high concept civilization. It's part Mad Max and part Game of Thrones. Like who would describe themselves like that? It's bizarre. I just feel like you guys are trying to get rid of the You're trying to get rid of my the the way of the cave had to be said out loud. <laughs> oh, are we cave washing? <laughs> yeah. We have to talk about this, though, before we start uh, on the episode. There are new theme songs in season two. Yes. Oh, yes, there oh are. Oh, my God, there are. And a, a new intro and outro, and they're both by the same Japanese punk band called Pop Super Punk. Junkie these are not, Monkey. This is not, this is not like pulled out of some grungy dive. This is, this is, uh, this is, a. Uh, <laughs> This is a Green Day kind of kind of band. Super junky monkey. And they they're are bad. Bad. It's bad. <laughs> oh, they're it's such good. a nightmare. It's such a such a sonic disaster. 
Oh man, and and it, they didn't. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they changed the animation under the intro music. No, I think it's the no, same it's the visual. Same. Uh, but now it's this weird, like metally punk, raspy voiced woman singing like Scat Surfer. <laughs> <laughs> And like, it's just you know what it so... you know what it sounds like. It kind of sounds like if you uh, trapped a, a a metal group inside of a car that was slowly sinking, and you just sort of <laughs> hear them shouting for help. Well, it looks like feel like it was cigarette smoke. It sounds like Patty and Selma made a band, made a punk band. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. You can't really make out what they're saying. It's a little distant. It's nothing compared to the ending theme, though. No, oh my god, that ending theme is... It's we have so to weird play, because... we'll play all of it. We have to uh, play at least some portions we're gonna of play each. Some. They're uh, unlistenable. The ending theme is like some sort of... It's like if you asked this punk band that clearly is trying to do like hard punk and they were like what if you what if you got a little jazzy and slow and they did their their level best but fell short anyway and oh, then and the title of the song is called uh what is it called like my name is sliced dice or something they call me yeah, sliced dice they call me sliced dice and oh. it just it neither of these songs fit the show's tone at all and I do not understand the decision to to change it or do anything like that. I don't get it. I think this was a case of where somebody should have said no to what they got. We're like, oh, we'll do a partnership with a cool metal band and it'll be great. And then what they sent in was like, oh, God, this is it. Oh, shit. Huh? All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So the episode, this... All starts when a building just falls into a hole in Denver. Yeah, and you know how exciting that is. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I never really think too much about about heroes and how they find out about bad things happening. But it kind of seems like all the sky surfers do is sit in their high concept lair and watch the news. Uh, yeah, which is not the worst way to go about it. But it seems. That's <laughs> what know. the dinosaurs did too. That's true. <laughs> Just sit around watching CNN. But everything starts off when they see this building fall through a hole, and they immediately set off to Denver, but so does Cybron and the Bioborgs, because I guess Cybron is just horny for somebody who's destruct as destructive as he is and wants to go find <laughs> out what it is. Like, there, There's a nice moment that I enjoyed that, again, ties in with the writing in this show being so close to being like an idiom or being so close to a pun <laughs> and yet saying just slightly off. Just so, yeah. Slightly weird, um, wrong things. Yeah. Right. And in this case, uh, it was Grenader. Uh, they were talking about, no, this was actually uh sky. I think this oh, was okay. um, our boy, Jack Hollister. And he was talking about the, having the legal like ability to go over to Denver and to do stuff. Um, <laughs> and he said, good. I hate to make this trip only to get slapped on the hands. Slapped on the hands. Who says slapped on the hands? Slap it's on the, the wrist, wrist, buddy. Right, it's slap on the wrist. He gets slapped on the hands. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's a high five, dude. 
They're, yeah. just trying to be, <laughs> they're just trying to be cool with you. Slap my hand. <laughs> uh, no, I was thinking about uh, uh, Grenader says some says the thing. He's like, he's like Sky Surfer one. He'll be Sky Surfer zero when I blow him out of the sky. It's like, good one. You you subtracted one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like also, it's not, also it's not a good uh, joke. So this whole beginning part of the show is like a little air fight getting mm-hmm. to Denver. Uh, it's a little showdown with uh, the, the Bioborgs and uh, Laserette is there too. Laserette, for some reason, has her own ship that's a bird. Yep. Uh, that mm-hmm. looks like a bird, which I don't really understand her theming. I don't know why she has a bird plane. Her name is Laserette and she shoots lasers. What I don't, I don't see the connection. Mm-hmm. But she also says, eat lead, Sky Surfer, and shoots lasers. Like, that's <laughs> that's her whole deal. How can yeah. she say eat lead? <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck? I also like the idea of Cybron just going to Denver. We're going to Denver. <laughs> well, it's like it's like we'll when check out some micro brews. It's like when the the you know the bad the bad dinosaurs and dinosaurs uh, went to the Houston Astrodome. Right. Like it's the same I think level. There's of... some cities I just can't take seriously when people <laughs> go to. <laughs> Yeah, it's because there's just too many poor people there. Like that's not a that's not a cool tech city where there's all that money. Uh they they get to the giant Denver hole, uh, which is not what I'm calling the city. It's there's a hole. There's a hole there. And they find uh some sludge and they take a sample, which later uh sliced ice it like analyzes in her lab and realizes it's from a worm. It's from a uh, worm, that's worm good. <laughs> I'd recognize this anywhere. This is worm goo. <laughs> oh man. We just have basically the the big thing that happens is that Cybron's undersea lair, which is kind of like the was it the Technodrome in Ninja Turtles? Yeah, it's like a Technodrome, but floats and most of it's underwater like an iceberg. Yeah. And w- so that lair gets attacked by these monsters, by these slither monsters, these giant centipede worm creatures uh, that have little laser turrets on top of them, piloted by <laughs> by cave people. Yeah, they've got a little they've got like a little glass ball just strapped to the back of them. <laughs> where the riders ride the ride the worms. Yeah. Cave people and lasers and worms. I don't know. I mean, do we have to explain more than that? I mean, we do need to make sure that we always call them slither monsters. And I need to make sure that you listeners understand this isn't just us saying it funny. It's spelled S-L-I-T-H-A. Like, the bad guy literally says, and we named them slither monsters. (laughs) Oh, and that that bad guy, his name is Darkon. Darkon! And what's the what's the realm underground? It's it's Netheron. Uh, It's called Netheron. They live in Netheron. So they, they, they wind up capturing Laserette and she goes down to their to Netheron and they kind of explain their whole deal. And <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, and he you know, they're tribal mole people. You know, they they, they love the ways of the cave and <laughs> it, yeah, it's very just poorly, very poorly world built. Yeah, unless you unless you think caves are cool, and then it's rad, <laughs> and then it's incredible. <laughs> it's funny because they're, we're we're clearly we're doing a two parter, right? So like next week we're going to be watching Attack of the Slither Monsters Part Two, well, uh, we... and sorry, spoilers. 
And correct me if I'm wrong. This show feels like it is at least doing a better job of a two-parter than something like uh, Moo Mesa or whatever, where it feels like it, it doesn't feel like it's constantly just filling time more than normal to stretch a, a mm. plot over two episodes. Like mm-hmm. this one ended and I felt like I'd watched an episode of the show and I didn't feel That's like fair. I'd only watched half. Um, yeah. So I can at least give it points there. But there is still a very, very large amount of action in this show, and most of it's not worth commenting on. Though at some point, no. Crazy Stunts does ride a worm like a bull. He uh, does. Although I wish he, they'd commented on it. The other, So Crazy Stunts and Sore Loser are kind of off on their own for most of this episode, right? Yeah, the, there's this... Going back to the name being Sore Loser, they it's only call just him loser. wild. It's just wild. <laughs> they don't that say the you... word sore once this episode. Not that it helps, <laughs> but like when you're basically referring to him correctly, it sounds like a put down and it's yeah. very funny. <laughs> loser. You're just like, nice work, loser. Like, <laughs> wait, are you? <laughs> you you <laughs> said out, that, but loser. it didn't sound sarcastic. You're right. Uh, but I think, I, I don't know. I'm starting to ship sore loser and crazy stunts. Well, uh, I was really annoyed when they. I'm going to make you there's sore. A, there's one. They, <laughs> they spend about five seconds on a, the same enormous surfboard, and mm-hmm. Laserette calls them lover boys. And I was like, that's kind of gross. The two dudes on yeah. a surfboard is gay now. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so two dudes oh, on a surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, two dudes on a surfboard. Suddenly, that's gay now. <laughs> Like the, there's, they follow it up with a scene where like they lose they're they're like running they're chasing after these worms and they lose them in a rock slide and they can't follow and sore loser's so mad about it but crazy stunts like comes up behind him and kind of holds him tenderly and yeah, is like chill they, out dude yeah they like they no they, but he doesn't say chill out dude he says chill out loser loser <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry you're right I don't mean to undercut that horrible horrible thing I just. <laughs> It was such a uh, maybe. Maybe I'll use that as the image for this episode of them. Them sort of, you know, canoodling. Yeah, yeah. I'm for it. I'm into it. I gotta have something I connect to in this show. <laughs> uh, at some point, we switch cities. Clearly, I don't think they ever tell us now that there's the action is happening in L.A. But we do see a scene with the mayor being like. Like someone's telling him that like, oh, the coastline is gonna collapse, and I'm like, we Denver, uh, Denver's what? not. Even though it's coast. like the same, the same redheaded mil- mustache like military guy who is in Denver. Yeah, <laughs> but now we're so that's now why I we are in LA, in Denver. But okay, all right. Yeah. Uh. So you know, big big surprise. This show doesn't communicate time and place very well. But uh. But yeah, there's more. There's more stuff happening. Uh. The main big thing that happens in Act Two is that. The leader, Darkon, meets with Cybron because everybody has an on name and they become and they the, measure the broest of bros. Oh, my God. Yeah. They have a grand old time <laughs> like they they just I guess they they reminisce or they don't reminisce. They they kind of like connect on the fact that they both live kind of <laughs> under the surface and <laughs> that makes under the them surface like, and and like love rocking and rolling, love, love just power. Yeah, I love power chords. Then at some point, Darkon says something like, "I welcome you as a brother," and I'm like, "Damn, that's <laughs> fast!" Damn, Jeez. Oh, there's something we we can't gloss over because I feel like this was the biggest, like, obvious plot hook for the for part two. 
uh, is that Darkon has his own enemies down underground. Uh, he tells everybody about this like small right. band of rebels trying to stop him, but we never <laughs> see them in this part in this episode at all. So they're I imagine they're going to show up. Right? They just they're just there's like other buff, cave people. They're just buff <laughs> loincloth cavemen. <laughs> yeah, my biggest enemy. Just but they, they, so that's, that's also where they commiserate. It's like, I also have a small band of rebels who always annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> and Darkon has a funny line where he shoots back with like, I thought you just said you were the most powerful. And he's like, look, dude, can I not just be both? Can I not be very powerful <laughs> and have guys that annoy me? <laughs> <laughs> Are these two things that exclusionary? And Darkon kind of like grumbly accepts that that line yeah. of reasoning. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Darkon. If we if we haven't described Darkon at all, he talks like Doctor Claw. Yeah, he talks exactly. It's probably the same actor, right? I didn't it, it, might it might be. be. I didn't check. It sounds exactly uh, like Claw. And he kind of looks like Dracula and Hordak from Hira <laughs> had a baby. Yeah, he's got that Hordak hat, and then but then he has stars on his nipples. That's okay. like their prevailing fashion or star nipples. You guys, every time. We, I feel like we talk about nipples so much when we talk about villain designs. Like, why do people design them with nipple indicators? Like, why do we need nipple things for bad guys? Uh, because think... people are afraid and confused by sexual beings. And, uh, <laughs> this increases their power. I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. I accept that. Thank you. But the yeah the the end the end the cliffhanger that we we land on. Uh, the bioborgs are attacking like a, a train that has supplies for the the victims in L.A. But uh, it turns out they're just doing it to lead the Sky Surfers into a trap, and a bunch of big Slither monsters come up out of the ground, and they blast Sky Surfer one, and then it does the freeze frame to be continued. Oh, should we uh, talk about briefly uh, at the beginning? This is something we glossed over with one of the initial the initial skirmish between the Sky Surfers and the and the Bioborgs. Mister mm-hmm. uh, Replicon has not been. <laughs> <laughs> Leprechaun has leprechaun. Whoops, replicon. Replicon has a great moment. You know, you may be able to guess what it is if you've listened to the last three parts of Skyhunks, but uh, (laughs) he has he's in a plane. He's in like a jet with guns on it. He's in a plane with guns on the outside. (laughs) And And he lowers, he rolls down the window. He rolls down the window and sticks his head out and turns his head into a gun. You're in a jet. Like, don't open the cockpit just to use your head as a gun. It has fucking guns, dude. I'm starting uh. to think he's got like a thing for it. <laughs> oh, he definitely does. But then, and I think he actually kind of likes oh, what happens I'm next. Shoot my missiles. Oh, look what happened on accident when he gets because <laughs> uh, Crazy Stunts uh, shoots his whips out of his guns. He's got guns with whips in them, and then when the whips connect, they're tasers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and throws them from the airplane, and then he. Replicant turns himself into his own parachute. <laughs> the parachute was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Although, so here's the thing. Replicant just got zapped. They they zoom away. They they take the camera off this. But Replicant just had two, had these two uh, tasers attached to his face that hit him with so much electricity that the plane explodes and he's just fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's Replicant, though. He's Replicant, dude. He's fucking Replicant. He's OP. I'm ready to roll on this one. Let's go to the next. <laughs> hey, Rory. What is it? Um, well, I know how much of a prolific reader you are. I just, I, just, I just put my eyeballs right to the page and drag them across. <laughs> so I am really excited to hear you talk about that new book that's coming out 
that is our sponsor this week. Um, it is in the uh, the Dragon Ring series. Yo boy, uh, that new uh, f- epic fantasy novel. If you could sort of just sort of tell us a little bit about it, uh, about uh, you know the dragons of Cranberry Sunday. The dragons of Cranberry Sunday is the thirteenth installment in an epic in the epic series. Uh, Drag, dr- the lords, lords, lords of Dragon Ring, mm. where where a young adventurer uh, finds finds himself with it with the with the ring of a uh, of the of the most powerful dragon in the realm, uh, Sunday Treasure. Is that what it was? Sunday Cranberry Sunday. So he has the cranberry. He has the cranberry Sunday <laughs> ring, which allows him to summon. He allows him to summon. That's that's the dragon's name is Cranberry Sunday, and it's Perfect. Sunday with a Sunday with a Y. So it's got kind of a fun. It's a little bit of a fun play on words there because it's very, <laughs> so so him so so the boy Arthur Arthur Mc uh, Mc uh, Mc uh, Wizard Arthur Mc Wizard rides his companion Cranberry Sunday through through the realms battling the other Dragon Ring owners. Um, he fights one Dragon Ring owner every book, and there's 26 Dragon Rings. To form the perfect the perfect dragon union, the the twenty six headed dragon king, Golgoron. <laughs> oh boy, it just keeps getting uh, better. Yeah, it's great. It's great if you if you love reading about dragons, you will just they, oh, there's so many dragon wings and they breathe fire. Uh, there's a really interesting magic system in this book. <laughs> we, I know how much you love those. Those are the most important part of every novel, is how does the magic work? What makes the magic go? And don't worry, don't worry, baby birds. They tell you in extreme detail what makes the magic go. How? What makes the magic go? Wishes. Oh. That's my, it's my breakdown. Five out of five dragon claws on this one, guys. This is, <laughs> oh, shit. This is an amazing yeah, the, book the about dragons. five out of five. <laughs> about dragons and their... And, the, and their dragon riders and their ring and the ring the dragon ring owners like Arthur Arthur McSwizzard <laughs> and his friend Cranberry Sunday and his friend Cranberry <laughs> Sunday the, the the largest dragon of twenty six dragons. So go out to your local borders and give them uh, discount code Saturday Tuesdays and you too can pick up the dragons of Cranberry Sunday only at borders. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I have gotten off of my private jet. And I've rolled I've rolled down the stairs, and I've waited for what I do. Here's a funny little thing that I do. I roll right down the stairs, and I make I make the people who work at the airport, I make them catch me like a baby. Oh, wow, you use a public <laughs> airport? I, well, they, yeah, I have to, because my plane's too fucking huge for you. <laughs> <laughs> right? When I say I've got a big plane, you guys... We're talking oh, about we're talking about special pants made just for that plane. <laughs> really? <laughs> How does an airplane wear pants? The airplane, <laughs> I'll tell you, it barely fits in them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but but having but having bowled myself into the arms of uh, of uh, uh, of airport workers, where I make them treat me like a baby, 
I have I've asked them to carry me over to to our next episode of Robotech, episode number four, the long wait. And the blurbalonius goes a little bit like this. Rick and Minmay try to survive inside the uncharted space of the SDF-1 where they crash landed but are eventually stumbled upon and rescued by construction crews assigned to rebuild Macross City inside the ship. That kind of blows the episode's whole load, but I think it's fair to say they don't die in episode four. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't like yeah. a blurb that tells you the whole thing, though. But Yeah, I know. They, uh... They spend the entire episode pretty much stranded, which is really cool, I think. Yeah. Um, this was It's cool. kind of a rare thing awesome. for a kid's show in the 80s to have like a slow paced character episode and with nary a laser in sight. You know, I've, yeah. got, like, I've, got a co- I've got a compliment and a complaint for this one. Okay. okay. Lay it on. Compliment. Uh, I, I basically enjoyed it. It was they managed to keep my attention for 25 minutes of, of you know, low action. Complaint. You, they're, they're trapped down there for, what, 12, 12 days? Yep. I don't really need, it takes, it's so lit, it takes such a little leap for me to believe that two teens trapped in a, in a, uh, trapped on, you know, in a, in a, in some sort of collapsed empty hallway for 12 days by themselves, who they don't know if anything's ever going to come rescue them. It takes, that setup, I, it takes so little for me to believe that they were going to touch parts. <laughs> and I didn't believe it when it happens. It was like a really unbelievable contrived setup where Minmay is um, Minmay is like they want to they want to be a, have a fake wedding because she can't imagine dying without being a bride. Like, yeah, you know, I I I thought it was kind of charming the way they actually finally did it. There was um, a lot of charm in the episode, and I think that's why I, I kind of was it. along for it, but. Oh, I just okay. think they I just think they would have just smooched just because they're they're just there. And then all of the like, I can't believe I'm we're not gonna smooch. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. I just I would I think they I think they tried to explain a lot that didn't need explaining and it wound up. I guess part of it is because like they have weird chemistry. Yeah, they do they, they don't have it, any chemistry as right, as it, actors. It's a it's a weird it's like a weird chemistry where they they're trying to avoid sort of being like being attracted to each other like the whole setup is not that they're like gazing into each other's eyes it's just like well i don't want to die and i guess you're here so i guess we'll try to stage a wedding yeah i mean a a, a common theme moving forward is going to be that rick has absolutely no idea how to tell what minmay's thinking at any given m- moment well no because uh, he spent his whole life courting airplanes <laughs> <laughs> this guy yeah, is my bride <laughs> then roy told him one day that he literally can't marry a plane and he was like well shit i've wasted all this time Even the one, i don't know but my plane turns into people that's not good enough <laughs> i'm sorry the dynamic has changed <laughs> but rick and minmay they they are weird because i think partly i think that they've they've written minmay in a way where she's kind of a, a trope of the you know flighty girl who doesn't know what she wants yeah and, she's you know. good but she, but she's also the only one who actually says what they're feeling or what they want correct constantly right. acts like a sort of uh you know trophy girl that has to be an object she's constantly making herself be the object and telling him exactly so it's an odd dynamic mm-hmm. and rick is just like he's wearing his 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 hunk bone on his sleeve like sure. at every moment he is trying to like move things in a kind of sexual direction trying yeah, to but you don't think, you don't think around day 10 they both sleep next to each other and he couldn't have just said 
do you know Mimi? I got I got three words for you. <laughs> do you love me? Nah, chew my balls. <laughs> These are oh, hot teens no. trapped underground for two weeks. It's gonna <laughs> happen. I yeah. know, I know. Yeah, but you She's know, I also them <laughs> Austin's so upset now. He did not want this in the episode. He didn't want you, my boy, to be a thing. I just want to say I appreciate some of the restraint that the show had uh, in in kind of building that tension and stretching out. I, I because I think what we're really looking at with the body of this episode was a well constructed bottle episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, also the. The ballsiness of doing a bottle episode on episode four of a kid's <laughs> Yeah, cartoon. totally. And there are you know? some really fun yeah. moments. Uh, there's one where she's, you know, she's singing at the beginning of the episode and, and like trips. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, again, just like these tiny, these tiny moments that are both that are that are constructed and create a reality that otherwise might be. A pr- this is was already there's such a woodenness between their dynamic that at least yeah. when she's when he's not watching, she acts like a normal person. Uh, she sings. Yeah. She sings a goofy song. She, you know, I sees agree. herself. In, she sees her reflection in the mirror later when when she's wearing this oversized jacket. Yeah, right. She says like her sleeves are too long, and she says, "Oh, the creature without any hands." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, she's, it's funny. <laughs> she's that was got, really she's fun. A, she's a real Which fun is, kid. And it's but it's such it becomes such an odd juxtaposition with with how like I said how wooden she acts with with Rick. Uh, unless we give it a kind of a deeper agency, unless we assign a little bit of value that I'm not positive was there. But like, for example, when they build the shower, uh, mm-hmm. she's like, okay, time for me to shower. Okay, no peeking. Yeah. Sh- you don't You do not do that. That's unless she definitely wanted him to bone down right then and there. Like, oh, I'm going to take my clothes off. Don't look. <laughs> Please don't look <laughs> Now's as me. good a time as any for me to take my daily shower. Okay, here we go. <laughs> The other thing that it was fun, it was an odd, it was an odd uh, choice to to both kind of, you know, shame Rick for even thinking of sneaking a peek. And then mm. us, the viewer, getting to see her, her fully nude. Yeah, yeah they basically we see show... some bottom. We see some some bottom. They show her entire bottom. I finally found the <laughs> hunk of this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a moment where she uh Rick springs a, a leak in the pipe so that they can have water. There are pipes around them carrying water. And uh, he springs, you know, a, a little geyser. But in order to help him, like, dislodge the pipe, she takes off her heels. Yep. So, yeah. Like, she's wearing heels and there's a moment of her deliberately taking off her heels so that she can go, like, help him and have more, like, surface area. You know, like, more leverage of their feet. And it's like, these fucking details you just don't see. No. Um. Another really nice moment is so this jumps back and forth a little bit. It's mostly Rick and Minmay, but we do see the uh, people on the bridge as well a little bit. We have uh, Roy wants to go looking for Rick. Oh, that's and, right. And <laughs> uh, what's I'm trying to remember uh, the, the woman on the bridge, Claudia. I believe Claudia says you can't just leave your post anytime you feel like it. <laughs> Which I love that they mention that because. So many shows have a very like loose definition of what the military actually means and like right. what being in active duty actually means. And it's like people are kind of just like renegade cops all the time. Like, <laughs> ah, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm like, dude, you you are in the like in service like you're at work right now. Yeah. So Roy has another moment 
when he's talking on the bridge and, you know, they're saying he can't leave his post. And then they're saying, we have to like, we have 70,000 civilians that we have to save. And Roy's <laughs> like, oh, right, sure. So 70,000 people are more important than my friend. You sound so like, stupid right now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like, they are. Like, yes, dude. 69,999 times more important. Yeah, but there is there's a great moment like connected to this though, where the, where all the the women who work on the bridge, uh, somebody makes coffee and they sit down and they have this little coffee break and they just like sit and talk, like nobody mm-hmm. in other shows do. Like talk, they just sit and talk like people and they're tired and they want coffee, and yeah, and it's such a such a break. Yeah, it's such no, a it's, nice. It's, it's really good. And this is where uh, about here is is where the show goes from a show that I liked to a show that I loved. Yeah, uh, because you're probably wondering, we've been talking about how long Rick and May may have been trapped down here for, for two weeks. Uh, and you, the listener, are probably thinking, well, gee, that's it's quite a long time to go with no food, I bet. <laughs> oh, this and is I'm... why you love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> Rick and May may are thinking the same GD thing. They're thinking, well, this is going to be a long time for us to go with no food, I bet. They've uh, been what? stretching their rations. She's been making stew out of their, like military rations out of their clothes yeah (laughs) she's been boiling the leather (laughs) and what should float by the window but a enormous space tuna (laughs) (laughs) and rick rick puts on a spacesuit to go to go catch the space tuna he does not put on a spacesuit he doesn't has, he? Thought, he goes outside, right? His, yeah, but he's got his like they they're like you don't even have a spacesuit, and he's like yeah, but I'll just wear my flight helmet; it'll be fine. Oh, and that's she's right. like well, yeah. we don't have any oxygen tanks. And he's like I'll just hold, hold my, my breath, breath Min May. It's like that's so that's the fucking worst idea in the universe, Rick. That's so dumb. But he does it anyway, and then this tuna flies by because you know to remind you about what happened last episode, they brought Macross Island with them to Pluto, and so and like a lot the of whole, the ocean. Yeah, a lot of the ocean and all of the the detritus is just floating around by the ship. Like the in the bridge, they see like really a car cool. go by, and like it's really cool. But yeah, it oh, are you saying that this is a real animals. tuna from Earth that got picked up with the with the space fold? Yes. Yeah, dude. I thought it was a yes. space tuna because it's huge. <laughs> it's colossal. Yeah, it is. It wasn't big. entirely. I think the idea is that Macross City, you know, it just has really good good animals. <laughs> um, no, I'm sorry. I, don't, look, I hope that doesn't lessen your, your enjoyment of the show, Rory. But it is a real tuna. It's just like a really big fucking tuna from Macross Island. Look, Dragon Ball Z has really big fish too. You know, everybody <laughs> likes you know in anime. Everybody big likes fish are fishing. Fun. Big fish are fun, and they feed a lot of people. <laughs> so Rick jumps out, all all bundled up, and, and <laughs> he's tethered, and but he has this extra item with him. And he's in zero gravity. And in order to propel himself, he uses Newtonian physics to throw (laughs) an item in the opposite direction, propelling him backwards into the fish, which is like brilliant. Like it's it's a really cool idea. Yeah. It's such a cool idea to see them actually taking space seriously. Although, although this is something I I don't really believe that he knew what he, you know, he is this well equipped to manage himself in space, but it was a really cool, it was cool. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously it's the it's just enough coolness in the middle of like just enough the idea of real physics in the middle of some very, you know, wildly fantastic elements of, of you know, a giant tuna in the middle of a floating space station with, you know, a guy outside of a spacesuit um, outside of Pluto. 
but <laughs> they give us just enough to to latch on to these like real feeling moments. No, it, it's all really cool. I just kind of wish it was Roy. Roy, I would have believed was knew more about like surviving and space. Mm. And Rick knows nothing about surviving or space. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so my favorite part of the episode is right in the middle, right in the very middle. Uh, the narrator has absolutely no fucking chill. And oh. he comes in and the narrator says, I'll drop the clip in. The narrator says, as Min May sleeps, Rick wonders how soon it will be before they're rescued. He has no idea of the ordeal that awaits them or how close they both will come to death. And like as a <laughs> bit right before a commercial break, like, I don't know. This show hasn't really been doing that. And this it really stood out for me this episode. Like like we're on a radio serial. Yeah. It's <laughs> don't also, worry, it also, it's not just a four episode show where they die at the end. <laughs> it also really kills the mood of what might have been a really nice quiet scene. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's like this evening scene. Minmay is like falling asleep and and. Rick is just sort of like pondering what's happening and thinking about him and existence and their survival. And we could have yeah. gotten a lot of that. You're completely without... right. And and on that, I, I wish they I mean, I would be fine if the first thing that happened next episode is they get rescued. It would have been really cool to end this episode not knowing how much longer the, they're going to be trapped. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. To end on a little tension rather than them getting rescued, I think would have been nice. Yeah. Though yeah. I think that I think that that probably wouldn't have flown as a kid's show, I think that they would have, you know, if they didn't get rescued at the end of the sad, like we might die episode, I think that the, the network probably would have been like, mm, let's I have some Yes, hope. but, but we, I, it seemed that they had a little latitude with the first couple episodes. We really see a lot of the horrors of war, I it's think. True. And I, I did not have the impression that they were, they were on death's door at the end of the episode. Did you feel that way? I didn't. No, 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 it didn't. They didn't really communicate that, they were out of all possible options. They were kind of just getting hit by an existential crisis of like, yeah, we might die here and I don't want to die. And yeah. Plus and it kind of, plus it cool. kind of like dream shames her a little bit because <laughs> they do her goofy ass wedding and then they, <laughs> and then they get rescued right away. Yeah. <laughs> like egg on my face. I can't believe I told you my deepest, <laughs> all my deepest thoughts and desires <laughs> only to be rescued an hour later. Yeah, so the way they get rescued is a giant. I don't know. She's, got, like, she's still got his rag on her head. Yeah, because they're they're they were acting out a little wedding, and then they yeah. Let's hold on. Let's, talk, let's talk about that real for real fast. Let's do fast that. First. Yeah. So the the thing that we talked about earlier is that there's there's this wedding, this like fake almost wedding that almost happens, and it's cool for me. Like the the moment is kind of cheesy, but I think it's cool. Because it's a result of Rick trying to help Minmay, who is clearly just spiraling into despair. Right. And I think that's a cool angle. Like, even if what she says is kind of corny or, like, kind of frustrating, where she's like, yeah, I have all these dreams about being an actress and whatever, but what I really want to be is a bride. <laughs> but, like, I think Get it's my cool. my degree in M and MRS. <laughs> I think well, there's a version of this that is really cool where... You know, he actually likes her and he doesn't want to do like a fake wedding. Right. Which is oh, true. But, sure. but he didn't express that, like, you know, that kind of hesitation. He's like, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm going to put my lips on her lips. Suck my balls. I'm going to get this balls, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. So. 
I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think it's kind of cool that they showed her like really freaking out. And even yeah. during like he's like, yeah, let's do the wedding. And she's like, cool. And they like start doing it. And then she has another freak out like she's really like, I'm going to die down here. And I like that they spent the time to let them express yeah, that nuanced. even if we didn't buy it fully. Like I thought it was really neat. And it's also kids just being cheesy, you know, like yeah. these are teenagers and like yeah, their dreams are going to be kind of dumb. That's fair. <laughs> that's what they that's what they might do, you know, if yeah. they if for two, you know, two weeks under then like, yeah, they might throw a fake wedding because they think they're going to yeah. die. Like, and I think I think underneath the message, like if I want to make it sound a little better, like underneath look, the the I am upset that I won't be a bride is the more true statement of I am freaked out that I won't be an adult. Like, I'll never grow up. It's true. Right. Like, I'm never going to have those moments that I, like, always thought I was going to have. Like, that's kind of, like... I guess be a bride is just kind of sticks in my craw. Like, they, they could have explained explained it a little better and not made her... Exactly. It, kind it of could have been a, a dubbing thing, too. Yeah. In the middle of all that, they finally just kiss. And at that exact moment is when this construction thing, like a crane or something, crashes through the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they look up we see from above it's that they've been in these two weeks. Uh, the ship has been busy and they've been rebuilding all of Macross city on board this ship. And so they've been building houses and neighborhoods and trees and all these kinds of things on board. You know how you build trees. Survivors. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and yeah. I really like this, um, this pairing of now it, it, it because I don't really care how the city gets rebuilt. It's a possible episode that could be interesting, but with no characters that are like normal civilians, uh, I get why they gloss over it. Yeah. And, uh, but they don't just gloss over it. It's not like we get a, a smash cut to two weeks later. We spend it in a, you know, in a bottle with these two. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that's so we really actually, cool. we get to feel like the time has passed. Yeah. Uh, anyway, which, yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. That and is it's a really not just cool magic. way to do it. You know, we see the construction, like, equipment you know we see them building this thing and that you know they talk about how they they worked fast and you know that they're trying to humanity is trying to survive you know yeah like yeah no matter what they are in in both ways like with rick and minmay trying to survive and with you know and flourish and like trying to see these these people like surviving on a ship despite all the craziness there it's yeah yeah, it's it's cool and so the moment that we end on is that Rick is exhausted and collapses, uh, you know, as everyone is like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad we found you. And he just like collapses. But he's also kind of worried about his status with Minmay, because as soon as they got up above the place they were captured, as soon as they got back with their family, she hasn't spared him a single glance. And he is really confused because they were basically just about to make out. And now she's not even smash booties. They're going to touch butts. Yeah. And, you know, you could be like, come on, Rick. She wants to see her family again, but, you know, they're teens, and and that felt kind of true to me, too. Well, and also, uh, she's in for a rude awakening when he asks, when he tells her, uh, I'm, an, I'm an airplane captain, so that marriage is, like, legal. Oh <laughs> 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 yeah. Pranked. <laughs> That's why he didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was that's this episode. I I'm I I had considered skipping it, but I didn't oh, want to. Really good. I, I, lo- I low key you, you though, can understand why it would be easy to skip though, because it kind of lives right. on its own. But I think that it sets up too much of the Minmay like dynamic to yeah, to that's skip. fair. 
Now, I am actually curious because I said it like a joke. Wouldn't that actually be kind of interesting, even if it's kind of even if it's kind of a goofy, different show? The fact that they have this moment where Rick likes her Rick, and he wants to spend time with her. She wants to be a bride. They do the fake wedding. And if he's a, and he's a captain, so it's a real wedding. And now they're married. Now she got her dream. And he, he has this, 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 this sort of like weird, you know, monkey paw wish. Of- it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a, um, what is it, George Michael and maybe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would have been, I think. I'm glad they didn't, but I was just kind yeah. of intrigued by that thought. I was like, actually, if they wound up having to be really married now because of that fake wedding, that might be kind of kind of neat, at least for an episode. That that sounds mm-hmm. like uh, the plot of a more modern anime, and the, yeah. the title of it would be something like, I can't believe this I can't believe I married my captain. Is now my, my husband. <laughs> and... The captain's child bride. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they'd spend the whole time just, like, accidentally seeing each other's butts and hitting yeah, each well, other Yeah, well, so that's the it. thing, is that, like, the, uh, the sort of, like, one-day marriage or accidental marriage trope in other, in other comedies I don't find interesting. In yeah. this, I would have kind of dug it if they accidentally got married, got real married. Mm-hmm. There was some some sort of reason they had to be married now, like the uh, the town the, vill- the the villagers walk in and like oh a couple good because we only have <laughs> one house. <laughs> don't we don't have enough beds for everybody. <laughs> oh, you two married no. you two you two married lovers won't mind canoodling under a single <laughs> under a single blanket. I bet for we've got but one mattress. Well, uh, thank you, our, you know, several very few rich friends for listening to this episode. And if any of you pours have but somehow But it's playing on all to... 10,000 of their devices each. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. At, at the exact same time, all uh, time delayed based on where they are in their houses. It's all very complicated and very, very expensive. Uh, but Not that I have any, any concept of, you... of what money is anymore. <laughs> I've, lost, I've lost all perspective. <laughs> no, I've become it... horribly broke. <laughs> Somebody help me down from my tower of Ferraris. My tower of cars. Somebody help me down from my tower of cars. <laughs> Rory, shut up about your tower of cars. Austin just admitted that he is now poor and he needs to get the fuck out of this podcast. I spent too so much money, you guys. It turns out spending money makes your money go away. <laughs> what? You got to spend money to make money. You got to spend money to make money. That's what I thought, too. You got to keep buying money. It's just, this is fucking stupid. And the the police have showed up at my place now, and they said that my money printer is uh, not not good. (laughs) They said, you you said you've done a a no-no. You're one of those those crimes. You're one of those crime doctors. Wait a minute. So does that mean you're not rich anymore, either? I'm rich, but I'm in jail. Shit, you're in jail? Well, I'm not in jail yet. They have to come get me from my Tower of Cars, and I'm not coming down anymore. <laughs> I'm up here thumbing my nose at the coppers. And I just got an email that says all of our sponsors backed out because they found out that we only have nine rich listeners, and it goes by listener count. So, fuck, I'm not rich anymore either. They took all my money. Oh, no. Uh, is it too late to try having a lot of empathy now for all the people <laughs> we've been shitting on? How's everybody doing? Um, please go back and listen. Uh, love our wonderful <laughs> benevolence that we have for you. But by your grace is why we're here. Uh, it turns out Pensable can talk, and he's using his power of speech to file a lawsuit. Oh, no. So Not Pensable, too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, so this, is, this has all turned out real bad for us, and, you know... Please give us your thoughts and your prayers as we work through this difficult time. As, Thank as you for because, listening. We're, because we're still convinced that's the only thing that works. 
Yeah, we haven't, we haven't is, totally given up our ways. No, we, we're those are that's our first and last line of defense. Thoughts and prayers is the most act is is the most beneficial thing we need, we could get from you right now. Yeah, the first thing I'm going to do is talk to my friend who ran the fire festival into the ground and uh, <laughs> see if he's got any new <laughs> see wild if his friend see if, see if that friend of his is still down to chew my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so everybody just chew chew our balls, and thank you for listening to the to Sky Surfers or whatever the fuck this is. Sky Hunks Part Four. We're all variously going to jail or you know whatever, and we're all poor. Please, where please think we of us. get to chew the balls. <laughs> <laughs>